Price has gone up to $12, inflation. Blame Biden if you want to. So. Oh, two $12. Yes, it was $10, now it's $12. So inflation, so, um, but it is a catered meal um, and we need you to sign up so we know how many are coming and if you pay, pay now or pay next week, um, just so we know who all will be there. Uh, there will be entertainment, so you get a meal, you get entertainment, not too many places you can get that for $12. And I have it from a good source that the out of shape ballerina will not be making an appearance. So those of you old enough to remember that, you can feel safe that know the entertainment will be better than years past. So in fact, I, I think the uh, some of the kids are having a, a singing and a skit that'll be quite a bit of the entertainment. So that'll be nice to have. So make sure after services, you sign up at the table back there for the Christmas dinner. So let's open with a prayer. Our Father in heaven, maker of heaven and earth, we come before you this morning to worship you and thank you and praise you. Father, we've just finished a season of Thanksgiving and we are so blessed with, with material things that we take for granted each day. Father, you have overflowed us with blessings of abundance. In fact, so much that, that our basic needs are taken care of and we spend our time worrying about minor issues that the rest of the world would love to have to worry about. Father, thank you for those blessings. Father, today we thank you for the Phillips family, for Joe and Karen, for the years that they've been a member of this church, for each of their daughters and the, the role that they played in our youth group and in our lives. Father, Bless them as they make the move to Franklin. I pray for the Church of Franklin that they will welcome them with open arms and make them active members. Father, as we come to a season where we remember the, the birth of your son at Christmas, I pray that you would help all Christians as we celebrate to recognize what we have in common, that we all recognize your son is Lord and Savior, and that we would we would grow in unity from that fact. Father, and as Christmas is a time to celebrate with family and friends, pray also that you would be with the children's homes, the Arms of Hope children's homes that we support, that the children there would feel a special sense of love, a special sense of your presence with the, the family that they have there. It has to be a hard time to to be a child and not feel like you're a part of a, fam a family and, and enjoy those blessings. So I pray that you would make them feel loved by the humans there, but more importantly, that you help them realize that, that your love for them is greater than any human love that we could give them. Father, again, I thank you for all the blessings that you've, you've given us for this time of Thanksgiving and for this time of Christmas as we, as we celebrate the amazing fact that you chose to come to earth in human form so you could understand exactly how it feels. Give us a sense of awe and wonder through this season. And because of the, the gift that you gave, we, we offer this prayer in that son's name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in thee. All his wonderful passion and purity. 
this time, we'd like to dismiss the stage two um, Limitless Kids and Praise Kids. Had to direct praise kids to the direct areas there. So today's scripture reading is going to be Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you.
Please stand. Sunset, your rule and reign. our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil our remain. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope. Like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for to see the captive's hearts release, the hurt, the sick, the poor, and peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. We pray.
seated, please. We uh, are concluding. Uh, I appreciate Jay's reading from Paul's closing in, in chapter 16. He has a couple of closings in, in uh, 15 and 16. But in that closing, he makes that appeal. Don't listen to people that are going to lead you astray, that preach contrary to the gospel. And it is my prayer that last spring and this fall, we, I have preached with integrity uh, not only Paul's message written in the, in the book of Romans, but Christ's message, the Holy Spirit's message for our hearts. And I appreciate you coming along on that journey with us. It uh, begins with that idea that, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power for all to salvation. Amen? And then he spends 11 chapters talking about the way all are included in that salvation, Jew and Gentile, and that if they turn to Christ, they have found the answer to God's salvation by way of grace and faith. The second half turns to this idea, and this is where we've been this fall, this idea that if it is the grace of Christ that brings us to where we are, and the grace of Christ is most fully represented in his sacrifice of his life on the cross and God's raising him up from the dead, that we then need to emulate what Jesus is doing by being living sacrifices. Amen? We follow Jesus in that and we trust God will lift us up in the same way God lifted Christ up. Not just in an eternity, not just in an end game, but every single day that I will lay my life down as a sacrifice and he will pick me up and point me in the direction I need to go. It has been a process that has taken us from one of Paul's greatest expressions of his theology to some of the most powerful words he says about how we are to live in the world, interacting with the world, and in the church so that we represent this gospel of Jesus, this grace that has been given us through Christ. But I think as he comes to chapter 16, he summarizes and gives us the most important final instruction when it comes to if you're going to be a living sacrifice, here is what you need to do. And it may be one of the most controversial things that he has to say in the book. Are you ready? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Everybody gasp for me. Chapter 16 is a, 16, is a chapter that's full of greetings. In this, he, he ends it by saying, greet one another with the holy kiss. In some ways, it is a powerful statement about the idea that Jews and Gentiles who may have a lot of different opinions about things, who may have even done things like condemning each other or despising one another, as we looked at in chapters 14 and 15, said, no, 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 that can't be what it's about. It needs to be about a holy kiss. It needs to be about a relationship that is intimate and reflective of I love you and I appreciate you beside me. This is not necessarily something that's all that big a deal in our society. We don't exchange kisses regularly, particularly not just as a, as a, a familiar, a friendship kind of expression, but in other parts of the world, this is, in fact, the parts of the world that this letter was written to, this continues to be a bit of an of a expression to even today. 
I've run into good friends, particularly like missionaries. Uh, Sarah Meadows was a missionary in Brazil, and I would get to run into Sarah, friend of our families. Our church sponsored her when I was a young child. How in the world she keeps track of me and take, loves me is kind of a miracle all by itself. But I would see her for several years at Pepperdine Lectures. It would be our annual greeting of each other. And before we, the last time, kind of towards the end of that, she would find me and look me up, and she would hug me, always a big hugger, big huge hug, and then she would kiss me on one cheek and say, this is for your mother, and she'd kiss me on the other cheek, and this is for your father, and this is for, and this is for, and this is for all these people who live in Temple that she knows, and then she would finally give me one more kiss and say, and this is for you, a powerful greeting, and you, of course, needed a little help getting cleaned up after that was over, but there was never anything in it except great, incredible Christian affection. And I want you to know that when she was done, I felt blessed. I didn't feel embarrassed. I didn't feel like she had some crossed some sort of, of line in an in a intimacy of relationship. Instead, what I felt was blessed. I hope that we extend blessings to each other. If that's in the form of a handshake, great. If that's in the form of as we've become a little more used to the elbow bump. You know, it's always been a little crazy to me. We have a pandemic going on. We are told to cough into our elbows, and then we're going to extend that out there to shake hands. Seems to me that that's worse than shaking hands, but... And I just appreciate so many people that are willing to express their community and fellowship to me with a hug. Um... It's always kind of fun the first time guys come into the room before the service and they're going to do something for the first time and we get ready to pray. And we typically circle up and kind of arms around each other. And if you've not done that before, it's like, whoa, wait, what am I supposed to do? High, low, where, where am I going with that? And, and yet it is a powerful statement of our relationship to one another. Chapter 16 unfolds this incredible, amazing list. This list of names, uh, there are other lists of names, of course, the genealogies that we have in both the Old and New Testament, but in the sense of identifying people who aren't just related to each other but have had significant roles, I think of the list in Nehemiah where you have families who rebuilt certain parts of the wall and their names are preserved for all of us to read their names. And I think it's a powerful thing that Paul chooses to list these names. What you find in this list are names that reflect Hebrew or Jewish origins. So you have some of the Jewish members of the church. You have people in this list whose names reflect a Greek or a Hellenistic origin. That is to say they probably aren't from Rome, but they're living in Rome. But they certainly grew up in a much more uh, Gentile or Hellenistic sort of background. And then you have some people who are native, probably native to Rome. Their names are of Latin origin, and, and again, you didn't have that Latin origin in names except, for the most part, in Italy, and the biggest population in Italy was in Rome. And so you've got people that are from a long ways off. You've got people that are near and moved in for commerce or whatever it may be, and then you have people who've been there maybe all their lives, and they're part of the church. They're part of the kingdom. Probably what Paul is doing is a little bit of a listing of all of the house churches that are found in the city of Rome. 
you need to really get the idea out of your mind of, of what we assemble in when you think about that first century church. There was very few places where they would assemble in a big hall all together at the same time. Most of them would have been kicked out of the synagogues, and if they hadn't gotten kicked off, they weren't allowed to be there, uh, particularly if they professed Christ as the Messiah. The, the public houses were not, uh, the public auditoriums were not necessarily open to them as well, particularly this late a date in the, in the mission of the church. So what you had was homes, some of them probably quite small. Six, eight, ten, twelve people at the most would be able to gather there. Yes, you had some larger homes where wealthy people would have lived and had their businesses. In fact, to a certain extent, the phrase of the idea of the household of would be in that list there. And that may mean not only just the church that meets at their house, but all the servants and family that would have been part of that gathering of people. It is amazing, Paul having never been to Rome, and yet he seems to know all these people. Whether he's had a personal encounter with them or not, or just the story of what they're doing for the kingdom and what they're doing for the gospel has become known to him. They are friends of friends. To a certain extent, I've, I've had several experiences just in the last few weeks of where I recognize that because I'm a, I'm a person of faith and I'm a, I've been an active member of church of all my life, I, I've recognized that there are people I've never met, but I'm connected to them, sometimes through you, sometimes through other folks. And wait, oh, we know each other. We don't know each other, but we have this connection. And Paul says, I know you. And even more, Paul says, I appreciate you. I'm glad we've got the names. I think it's wonderful to look at these names and think about who these people were and what they did in Rome and how they made a difference for the kingdom and the gospel. But we can look beyond the names at some of the descriptions that go with them. This one was in prison with me, or these were in prison with me. This one is my beloved in the Lord. Wow. What a relationship. One who is approved in Christ. It's a really interesting phrase. Because in reality, everyone who is filled with the Spirit and has been baptized and is part of Christ is approved by Christ. There's something a little more going on here. And Paul doesn't maybe give us as good a hint to it as James does. When James uses this word, it's the idea, don't be afraid of temptation because temptation is what tests your faith and makes your faith stronger. This word is the idea that, that you've been tested. You've been through some sort of ordeal. And you've come out on the other side. Whether that was persecution for his Christian life. Or maybe he was ill in some ways. And, and the church prayed over him. And he came back from that. Hard to exactly know what Paul meant by it. But bottom line is he says you've, you have withstood the test. You've been faithful through a time when you could have lost faith. Chosen in the Lord. His friend that's chosen in the Lord in a very special and unique way. There's one more that I think is even more powerful that, that kind of speaks to me in a really wonderful way. Rufus is mentioned by name and Paul greets his mother and says, and she's like a mother to me as well. I don't know about anybody else here, but I am so blessed by so many women that I've known all my life 
who have treated me as if I was their child, their son. Some of them were Bible class teachers. Some of them were just partners in ministry in various different ways. Some of them are just people who love and pray for me and care for me and speak affirming words. Betty Stark didn't let a Sunday go by that she didn't say how much she appreciated me. It was a very special way in which, you know, again, as we get older and our mothers, we don't get to be with our mothers all the time. Some of you have all your family here. Congratulations. Paula, you're extra blessed in that way. And your children and grandchildren are extra blessed in that way. I'm not. And it is wonderful to have those women who speak motherly, nurture, care to you. But in fact, the list is much more focused on the idea of working in the kingdom. Work with me in Christ Jesus, who's been a hard worker among you. A co-worker in Christ. Workers in the Lord, who've worked hard in the Lord. That idea that Paul recognizes that some of these people, the people that he's calling out there, have gone the extra mile. This isn't just the idea that you somehow or another... um, have, as a Christian, you instantaneously become a worker. I think he's affirming that there are some of you who have given much of yourself. You have made it your, your job to be engaged in what can benefit the kingdom and the gospel and particularly the people that meet in your home with you. You have been a servant to them in a very special sort of way. And I have to ask... There are lists with your names on them. We have multiples of them. You have one on your phone that has everybody's name in this church. And your list name is on that list. We, we all want to point towards that, that idea of we're on the, in the, on the list of the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? But I want to ask you, if somebody's describing you, would they say, here's a worker. Here's somebody who works hard. Works hard in the kingdom. Do you have something that you call your work for God? Do you have something that you call your work for Christ? And yes, we all carry a a burden to be the best husbands or wives, to be the best parents or grandparents we can be, and that is work in the kingdom. Amen? Some of you have very special kinds of things, whether you have a a child that bears a little more load than, than maybe other children, and that is a very powerful thing. And it points to the kingdom. But do we all have a sense that we can say? And, and I will tell you, there's a special challenge in this for me. What do I do that's not about earning my paycheck at this place, but is just something I want to give to this church? And I challenge myself, where are those pieces of the puzzle? I challenge you. Where is your ministry? And if you don't have an answer to that question, you need to find one. Because God has called us to be a body together. And if we have parts of the body that aren't functioning, then we're less. And we need you. And the kingdom needs you. And I want to point you towards our website that has our ministries and our ministry leaders. I want to point you towards our elders who can be people who can kind of help you find your way in that. But I want to encourage you, don't let the question of what my work for the kingdom is go unanswered. It doesn't have to be inside these walls, amen? 
It doesn't even have to be something that says the Christian this on top of it. But you need to see it as your heart for ministry. And what's so amazing is how many of you have so many things that are about your heart for ministry. And I'm really thankful for that. Bottom line, Paul never sees his work in the kingdom as solo work. I think he's following Jesus in that. Some of the first things that Jesus did was call disciples to follow him because he knew that they were going to live beyond him and they were going to carry things forward. Paul never wants to work alone in the kingdom. And he recognizes these people, people that some of whom he's never met. Priscilla and Aquila are not in that list. He's worked with them before. They're now in Rome. He was with them in Corinth. He sent them to Rome or they went back to Rome. But bottom line is, he sees all of these people as people that he's locked arms with to do the good work of the kingdom, to spread the gospel. And we need to be following in that example. But Paul doesn't start this list with a greeting. He starts this list with a word of commendation. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church in Sincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way, way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Phoebe, the benefactor. This is a big word in the New Testament times. These are the kind of people who lived in a community who said, I'm going to take some of the local projects on myself. If a new uh, waterway needed to build, be built in a city, it wasn't so much about taxes being collected as the recognition that there are people whose businesses have succeeded because they live among us and are in this place, and they are to be benefactors. They're to contribute things to to the work that's going on. Paul had many benefactors, people who helped him in his ministry, who gave financial assistance, maybe found some housing for him, different things that he did. Yes, there were times that he worked as a tent maker, but in reality, more of the time, he depended on the benevolence of various people, and particularly, Phoebe is pointed out here as someone who has been one of his benefactors. It is a formal word that has a bigger meaning than just the way we talk about it. Jesus had women who traveled with him, who took care of him, who maybe paid for some of his expenses, and that is recorded in Luke's gospel as well. Likely, she is the person, and the reason this language is so important, there's some grammar here that's going on, that she is the person who delivers the letter that Paul and Timothy and that Tertius has taken the time to put in pen and ink to. She has delivered this letter to Rome. And it was common in that day and time, if you are designated the person to carry, you weren't just like a postman who brought it to the box and dropped it in. Instead, particularly for a letter like this, it's not just a memo that says we have 12 gallons of oil in the uh, in the in the in the storeroom in the warehouse, which would be an important piece of information for certain things. We have actually preserved notes from the first century that say things exactly like that. But this is not what this is. This is a very important letter, and there would be a person who would carry it. But not only would that person carry the letter to its destination, but they would have been trained to read it in front of its recipients. 
They would have voice inflections that they knew. They would have probably people that they were supposed to point to in the audience, in that home that was meeting together and gathering around that table. would say, now this message is intended for you, and this message is intended for you, and probably got louder at some times and softer at times, read faster at some times, slower at some times, all coached by Paul to deliver his message to that congregation. She was probably the carrier of that letter. But probably many of you have already kind of landed on a word that's on the screen. It's the word deacon. And it is an important word. It ties to the idea of many people working in the church there. It is the word for servant. This is consistent throughout Paul's letters, throughout the New Testament, in many different places, the servants. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he describes the Roman governing authorities as servants of God. Exact same word in the Greek. Paul and his co-workers. Paul describes himself as a servant. He describes his co-workers as a servant. In fact, Christ is even called a servant to the Jews for the benefit of the Gentiles. And it's this exact same word. I would encourage you not to get stuck on that word. However... I do want to point us to two very powerful words in this passage. The words commended and worthy. He will say many good things about many different people in this list. But worthy is a word that he reserves for Phoebe. He commends her to them and says that she is worthy of your respect and your attention she is worthy to receive a full measure of your fellowship. Not just that he would speak these words, but that he speaks them over this sister, a sister in Christ, a woman. Ladies, I'm going to ask you to excuse me for a moment. I need to talk to our men. But it is my prayer and my hope that in talking to our men, you hear me affirm something that God says about you. I am so thankful for the women that work so hard for the gospel and the kingdom and for this congregation. I watch you do your work every day. And I think about all the ways in which this church would be so much less. In fact, one might go so far as to say whether or not we could really be church without what our women do among us. Amen? One of my mothers in the faith is Joanne Taylor. And I told Joanne I was going to say this. And it's just, I'm sorry. It overwhelms me how much energy she brings to everything she does. And I am so thankful that she's on my side. Amen? And I am so thankful that she's on Jesus' side. Amen? Because, man, if the devil had her, he'd have something, wouldn't he? But he doesn't. Christ has her, and she is worthy of my praise, as are so many women that I am so thankful for. It is my hope that when I speak of you, women, the women of this church, and that when I interact you and in, interact with you in the way that I treat you, I hope that it says powerfully how much I commend what you're doing and see you as incredible, worthy partners in the gospel, in the kingdom, and of the work of this congregation. This kind of language has to start at 
home with husbands and fathers. It has to start with me as the male leader in my household, now three generations. I have to be treating my wife the way God would want her treated. She is worthy of my respect. She is worthy. She is so much more than worthy of my love. She is worthy. She is a worthy. And I commend her to you as a partner in the gospel. I'm really glad she's not here today because I would really break down if I was had to look at her face. And I hope this church says amen to that. As fathers... The way we talk to our wives impacts not just our sons, but our daughters. What daughters expect and what sons know they need to do. And dads, if there's one thing you need to do in your household, if there is one place that your discipline needs to rise to a higher level than anywhere else, it is when your children disrespect their mother, there better be, excuse me, hell to pay. Because it is hell that's winning when a woman is disrespected. This idea continues in our attitudes toward the women we encounter in the workplace and in our community. We need to be sure they know that we respect them. We need to be know, sure that we know that, that they know that we see them as worthy partners in all that we're doing in life. But shame on us if the workplace would be the place that leads our way in commending the worth and value of women as co-workers. Because it must be essential in our interactions in fellowship and ministry in our congregation. Paul has spent an entire book saying that Jews and Gentiles need each other to work together. I think he closes with this chapter and says, I need men and women to work together. If we are to take our cues from Jesus, we recognize the essential nature and role of women if we're going to be God's kingdom here on earth as Jesus prayed for us to be. And maybe, just maybe, we need to recognize the way these attitudes need to be a vital part of the way we are not conformed to what this world would tell us. Make no mistakes. Pornography's primary role is to diminish women. Make no mistakes. All of that smut out there is intended to take men and say, you can look at women as objects to be used and thrown away. The world wants us to think that way. No matter how much we have societal institutions that talk about feminism and all that thing until we stand up and say enough of this, this isn't about freedom of press this is about making our women subservient let us not be conformed to this world but let us be transformed into who God wants us to be and to recognize that what he said in Genesis chapter 1 the image of God is on you when you are partnered, male and female. That's not about being married to somebody. That is about the idea that we can't be all that God wants us to be unless we walk arm in arm, male and female, together. Are there differences between men and women? Somebody say yes. The Bible says yes. Are they to be commended 
Are they worthy to be co-partners in the gospel? The answer is yes. I want to finish out the series and this sermon with some of Paul's words of blessing. Words that he saves for the end to say, I want you to know God. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know that he's on your side. By the way, he's on your side whether you're a woman or a man. He's still on your side. These words will be the majority of our invitation today. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Skipping down. May God who gives us His peace be with you all. And then skipping down into 16. The God of peace will soon. Hear that word peace over and over. Peace between God and man. Peace among Jew, Gentile, Roman, male, female, slave and free. Peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What a victorious word. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And then these words. All glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as the good news I proclaim about Jesus says. All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, forever. And we all say, Amen. Do you need a little more Jesus to make you more of what God wants you to be? And the answer is, for all of us, Yes. I don't need just a little more Jesus. I need all the Jesus that I can get. I know that I need him. I hope that through this series of lessons, you recognize your need for him. As we sing this song, if there's any way in which we could answer that question, I need more Jesus and and give some legs to that and help you along that road, you're welcome to come forward. But you know, even more... I'd just like you to call and say, Alan, I'd like to talk. Or call one of our elders and say, I want to talk about how I can have a little more Jesus in my life. If you're with us online, we we always offer the text 979-217-3300. Start that conversation. Do we need Jesus? Church, do we need Jesus? Then let's all respond to his call as we stand and as we sing. My soul magnifies the Lord My spirit rejoices in God My Savior, my soul
At this time, children in stage two nurseries, please go retrieve those. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for his love, Lord. Thank you for the cleansing flow now all I know your forgiveness and embrace worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne crown you now with many crowns you reign victorious
we take this time to remember what God has done for us. And you know, there's many, many different ways to do this. Sometimes when I'm sitting there thinking about it, I wonder what did I do to deserve all of what God has given to me. And then after I think about that for a minute, I realize there's two things wrong with that thought. First of all, I don't deserve it. I'm, I'm a sinner, and as hard as I try to follow what Jesus asked me to do, what God wants me to do, I, I still fail. As a human, I fail. And God knew this from the beginning, that we weren't going to be able to perfectly obey his law. And he had a plan, and this is part of that plan. So first of all, I don't deserve it. And second of all, there's nothing I can do. It's, it's not anything that I do, even though I try to follow God's word and his will. I can't do it perfectly, but it's, it's because God loves us and his grace that he has freely given to us. So it's not that I deserve it because I don't, and there's nothing I can do. It's all because of God and his grace and his love for us. As we eat this bread together, let's think about that body that Jesus was willing to sacrifice uh, to take, take, um, take the place for our imperfections. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that you loved us enough to send your one and only son to take our place for his body to become the sacrifice that, that we need to take away our sins. Father, as we eat this bread together as your people, we ask that you help us to remember this and, and be willing to change our lives in a way that represents that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit for what was impossible for us again there's nothing we can do God did it for us in sending his son this juice that we drink represents his blood that he shed for us. This type of sacrifice deserves some response on our part. So how do we respond? Jesus said, if you, you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So even though we can't do it perfectly, 
our response to God's love ought to be that we try to follow his will. We obey his commandments. We share this good news with others. That's how we should respond to it. So as we drink this juice together, remembering the blood that Jesus shed for us, think about your response to that love and what will it be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your, your love and your willingness to send your son to die for us. And as we drink this blood, this juice that represents his blood, we ask that you help us to know how to share that love with others and to show that love to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatest of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. Now, we live in a very nice city, and I dare say the best state in the great nation. And we, we have been blessed more than any other nation in, in the world and maybe in all of history. And we, I think we have an obligation to share that, don't we? We, we need to be willing to share the blessings that God has given us with others. And as as we think about your gift back today, think about how you can share that with others. Dear Father, we thank you for the many, many blessings that you've given to us. Father, we ask that you help us to have a, a giving heart, a willingness to share with those who are in need. Father, help us to share your gospel as well. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, while the kids are doing their thing, well, let's talk about our budget for the, uh, for the church. Um, we're, we've passed another quarter. We're three quarters of the way through. We've got about 17 weeks left to go on our fiscal year. Uh, as you see up there, you can see kind of the details where we're at as a church and what our budget is. Uh, we're really, really close. And what this does is it speaks to the accuracy and the importance of what's going to be coming up January 1st up until March 31st. All right, that's going to be our discernment period in which we gauge what's next year's, next fiscal year's budget will be. Um, what you see here is our giving is a little off of budget and our, our year-to-date, both, both sections. But it's very, very close. Where we're getting it is 
uh, the deacons and the ministry leaders have underspent versus what our budget spending is. So we actually have a net positive going forward. It's a little over 9000 as the overall spectrum of things. Uh, so we're still in the positive um, as a church year to date. Uh, we still have, like I said, about 17 weeks left to go. But it speaks to the leadership and y'all. Every single week, providing the fiscal responsibility for this church, providing the fiscal needs of this church um, that we may run as a corporate entity in a net positive as of today. So I congratulate you and I also encourage you to continue to do so uh, so that we may continue to be in the net positive as the years go on. Lord, if we could um, go to prayer and just say thanks for this. Lord, thank you again for all that you do. Thank you for the, uh, uh, the many blessings that allow us to come together and um, to provide the ministries that the church does, both uh, looking inward and outward in this community. Lord, we're, we're grateful for the, the monies that come in. Uh, we're grateful that we can uh, account for those and as well as that we can uh, provide the needs uh, of this church, uh, both just the operations and also uh, the, the specific personal needs that it impacts. Lord, let us continue in that way. Let us just be thankful for all the things that you provide. And at the end of the day, Lord, let us do all the different activities we do with you as the focus, and not any glory is us, but all glory to you. And it's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Wes. Uh, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that uh, sermon. Uh, mentioning all the ladies that are mentioned there in uh, Romans, I know when our uh, ladies did their presentation on the women's ministries and what all is going on here, I was extremely impressed and surprised. And when they were finished, I was like, well, what's left for the men to do? But appreciate you, ladies, and Alan, I appreciate that sermon. I also want to say thank you to our visitors. If you're visiting with us, if you would, uh, we'd ask that you please, uh, there's a card in front of you that's light blue. If you are comfortable with it, to please fill it out with as much information. We'd like to have a record of your attendance here. Uh, we just thank you for honoring us with your presence this morning. We just hope that you have been uh, uplifted and in, in, uh, praising of God. Um, we're going to really test our audiovisual people out. Alan gave me this list of things. I dropped my cue cards. I don't know what order they're in. So, let's go. Uh, first thing I'd like to mention is our Christmas gift baskets. They're over here on this side of the foyer. Uh, let me just go over a little bit of stuff. And a lot of this is in the bulletin, uh, so you can look in the bulletin. But uh, there's a grocery list. Please pick up a grocery list. Have your groceries here <coughs> by December the 15th, which is next a week from this Wednesday, 10 days from now. So you got 10 days to do that shopping. Uh, the list is back there. The banana boxes happen to be the right size for these baskets that are going to deliver. So if you're at the grocery store and you can pick up a box that's about the size of a banana box, there's one on back here uh, as an example that you can look at. Please pick up one of those. The baskets and have your groceries here by Wednesday, December the 15th. After Wednesday night, the... Uh, <clears throat> Carolyn the Saints, and they will, will 
package those, box that all up. Wednesday night on December the 15th, all that will be boxed up. Boxed up. Also, there is a list of kids back there uh, if you'd like to pick up and purchase a gift for a child. So uh, the list are back here in the foyer on this side as well. Uh, have it here at the building by Thursday, December the 16th. And your guess is as good as mine. This will be interesting. We're going to have a wrapping party on the 17th, a pride and prejudice wrapping party. And if you want more information, talk to Gretchen or to Dara. So if you're good at wrapping and you enjoy doing that, uh, that will be on uh, Friday, December the 17th. Uh, <clears throat> so you can talk to them about more details on the wrapping party. And then on Saturday, December the 18th, okay, this is all in a row, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, all right, uh, we will begin delivering those packages uh, at 9 a.m. on Saturday, December the 18th. So if you can help with delivery, and Gary McBrayer is kind of the brains behind all of this, so uh, he can help you with anything there uh, uh, that you may need. So that's very important this time of year. I'm sorry I spent so much time on it, but uh, it's very important to act, a service, this congregation has in, been involved in for years and years, been very uh, beneficial to a lot of people. <clears throat> so I encourage you to continue uh, in that. Uh, <clears throat> next, uh, as far as information, just want to bring out that Alan does his weekly updates. Uh, so I send out a text. I was mentioning that sometimes I get a text, I click on it, and it instantly says link is expired. If you have some technical difficulties like that, there's ways around it. Call the office. They can help you with that, but Alan always has a lot of great information, keep you up to date. In addition to that, our caring and sharing, copy of it back here, you can get it online, great source of information, keep us up to date with what's going on, and I uh, appreciate Alan and his efforts to, uh, uh, to put that on. Our focus of ministry for this month is our children's home. We have three children's homes that we help support from this congregation, Sunny Glen, uh, Cherokee, and Arms of Hope. <coughs> So in addition to that, on the left side of the building, okay, if you want to bless the child, we have stars over here on the left side of the building, three baskets. You can pick up one of those uh, names there and uh, uh, follow the instructions there, uh, purchase a gift card, fill it out, and have that returned by December the 12th, okay? So that's uh, two different sides of the uh, building. You have two opportunities in which to bless someone, to brighten their their time, as uh, Joe mentioned, with the blessings that God has given us, a chance to share those blessings uh, with people who are not quite so blessed. Um, also, I'd like to, as a final thing to mention, that right immediately following services, we are back to having, I believe this is the first one in a while, in our Faith Family Fellowship. Right after services here, back here, we have plenty of food. I invite everyone to stay. Uh, have a good time of food, fellowship. Once again, one of our women's did most of the cooking. Some of you guys might have done a little cooking, but we won't talk about that. Uh, <clears throat> I, I stay that Arlene's way, okay? So that's my con contribution. So uh, please invite everyone to stay with that. If you're a visitor with us, please stick around. We'd like to get to meet you and know you and everything and, and appreciate that. And so as I offer a prayer here for our congregation, I will include uh, offering a thanksgiving for the food and so we'll be blessed. So as you go back there and you can go ahead and start uh, forming a line back here, if you would, please. Uh, and that's all that I have. I will want to uh, mention in our caring and sharing is a list of people who need prayers or prayer requests. I'd like to add a couple of names to that. Randy Moore, uh, possibly bronchitis or asthma, but he spent a couple of nights in the hospital Friday night and last night. Hopefully he'll be coming home today. But he is uh, 
I'm sure much improved. And also John Harris was able, unable to be with us. He also, and I think a lot of people are talking about this, this other stuff besides go, COVID going around. We just forgot, hey, what, there's flu and there's allergies, all kinds of things out there. And I think a lot of people are dealing with that kind of stuff. So we want to keep those. Uh, in addition to the people who are on our prayer list, please check your caring and sharing. Keep these people in your prayers and in your thoughts and in your minds. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to our God in prayer. Our most gracious, kind, and loving Heavenly Father, first we just want to say thank you for your word. you showing your love to us by giving us your word, uh, giving us Jesus, uh, giving us uh, hope, and just, uh, just giving us a, a, a way of life to worship, to follow you, to love each other. Lord, we just are thankful for uh, Paul and his letter to the Romans, for those people who were uh, leaders in the church at that time who were your servants lord let us follow in their example and let us be your servants as well uh, lord we just want to pray for those that have been mentioned who are sick who are under the weather uh, we just ask that you would heal them lord we just pray for the spiritually sick uh, lord let us be your hands let us be your feet let us be your voice let us carry the message of love and hope and and comfort to these people uh, lord we just pray for our nation we pray for our leaders uh, just give them wisdom uh, Lord, we just pray that uh, the things that we say and do every day of our waking lives, that it will be in honor and glory and purchase and, and worship to you. Uh, Lord, we just want to thank you for the food, especially that's been prepared, and just ask that you would bless each one of us as we eat uh, this food, and just thank you for your bountiful blessings that you have given us, and uh, we realize that all good things come from you, Lord. Uh, Lord, at this time, we just always want to say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Uh, let us be a light in this community, and just thank you for forgiving us of our sins. In your son's name we pray, amen. Please stand as we close. The Lord bless you and the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. God.